Did you guys see, wow, did you guys see this image going around your uh, social media in the last few weeks? Uh, there was a report, uh, it didn't make like headline news, but some people were sharing it about this, uh, this diner, I think it is, in Alabama uh, that had a very unique uh, menu item. Uh, my girlfriend is not hungry, uh, and the fun fact about it is it is one of the highest selling things on their menu. People are actually ordering this in front of their girlfriends. Now, guys, I know you're not allowed to say that you can relate to this. Like, I'm not going to say, hey, show of hands, but kind of just like that, that wink, subtle, like, I've been there, like, yeah, like, you know what's up. Oh, so you're like, yeah, I'm there. All right, I'm there now. Uh, so, so this last week, I told you guys I went on a date with my wife last Saturday night. Let me tell you a little bit about how that date started. I am cheap, so I had a gift card, and so I was taking my wife to a very nice place with a gift card, because that's what I do. And so I go there, and in the past, we've gone to this place, and we've never had to make reservations. We've gone in the wintertime, but it's summertime, and we get there. It's 545, and they say, do you have a reservation? I'm like, no, I don't. I'm looking at 45 tables that are wide open. They're like, well, we don't have an open table till 830. And I wanted to, like, get into it with these people. I was like, oh, you got to get that table. And I was like, no, okay, fine, whatever. And, and so we leave. And what was just kind of a minor case of being hungry turned into full-fledged hangry. Ava was, like, struggling a little bit. She gave me permission to say this. Okay, struggling a little bit with just, like, a little bit of hangriness. Can you relate to that? Okay, so that's, that's one major issue that, is, that was, okay, we're not going to ruin date night over a little hangriness. But then as we pull out of the restaurant, Ava's second, her biggest fear is probably being hungry. Her second biggest fear is now we pull out of the driveway of this restaurant and the gaslight comes on. Anything car related is like, oh, oh like oh, the world is ending. Everything is done. I don't know. Like, how are we going to put food on the tables type moment? Like, the engine, like the car, the gaslight came on. So now I'm pulling out of the driveway of this to the restaurant and my hangry wife with the gaslight coming on. And I'm just like, well, this is easy. Uh, the gaslight, my perspective, this is going to, whatever. We, we got at least 15 miles to get to our restaurant. We're in Tom's River. This is all going to work out. But as we pass gas station, after gas station, <laughs> Jason, you're going you're gonna to fill it up? Jason, you're going to get this? And in my mind, I didn't want to ruin date night, but in my mind, I was like, do you want food or gas? Because we're going to get one or the other right now in this moment. And finally, we got gas. And within 15 minutes, everything was okay. Have you guys ever experienced a situation where we're intended, our, our inclination is to maybe make a mountain out of a molehill, to make it into a bigger situation than it might be? What happens when we bring our earthly perspective to situations and lose sight of God's perspective on the situation? When we make a mountain out of, out of a molehill, sometimes what, what ends up happening is in the midst of that hardship, we, we overshadow what, what God might be trying to do. We become forgetful of our God. We get fixated on the situation and ourselves, losing sight of our God, losing sight. We, we all of a sudden, we're in the moment of a situation, and we forget God's unchanging nature, assuming he must be changing the way he works. He always works out this way, but now this time he has his thumb down on me, and we, be, we forget God's unchanging 
nature. Doesn't that, isn't that the tension that sometimes grows in the midst of hardship? Two weeks ago, we looked at this parable of the seed, uh, the sower, throwing out seeds. How do you respond to the word of God? And, and how do we give well, God's word, God himself, priority in our lives? One of the main areas in which that is tested, we looked at last week, in relationships. Isn't it often our relationships that test whether or not we're going to hold God, our relationship with God, as highest priority, or if we're going to say, no, the relationship before me is of highest priority. This week, Another area where we're tested to say, if, is God really priority? Is when we're experiencing hardship. When we're experiencing a difficult time. And so we're going to continue looking at uh, Luke, and we're in chapter 8. And this is now the calm before the storm. Here's how it goes. One day he got into a boat uh, with his disciples, and he said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. And so they set out, and they, and they sailed, and he fell asleep. You that know the story know that there's a storm coming. <laughs> you know that, that there's something major is going to happen. And, and so now they're leaving one situation. They're leaving a situation where now, now they're going from one side of the lake where they, were, where they were helping people. The family issues come up. All these different things that we've looked at in the last handful of months. Now, now they're going across the lake to a more Gentile area. Jesus is on mission. He's moving them across the lake to see, to go about people that, that maybe aren't Jews themselves, and they need Jesus just as much as anybody else. This is very much a missional move. But there's only one person in the boat that knows there's a storm coming. There's one person in the boat. And what does he do? He goes to sleep. The only one that knows a storm is coming is going to sleep in, in the boat. Because a storm doesn't change reality. The storm doesn't change the reality that God is still in ultimate control. Daddy still has got this. Jesus can go to sleep knowing that I don't have to guide them around the storm, that there will be a time where I'm guiding them through the storm. Think about this with your God. You want God to care for you. We want God to care for us. Divide. Godly care is sometimes, sometimes equates to, sometimes means God will guide us through rough waters. And he still cares. And now here's how the storm comes. Here's, here's the calm during the storm. He says this, and the windstorm came down all on the lake, and they were Filling, the Greek word filling, filling with water, this Greek word would, would indicate swamp, that they've taken in a whole lot of water. This is another type, when they're describing the storm, it could also describe a hurricane. I don't think it's probably a hurricane in that area of the country, but nonetheless, it is a powerful storm. And so they're filling up with water, and they were in danger. You have disciples writing about this. You have disciples telling the story. What is their trade? Many of them are fishermen. Some of y'all own a boat. Only time I get into a boat is if it's a cruise ship. But some of y'all know of boats that are a lot smaller than that. If I'm on the boat with you, a seasoned fisherman, let's say, and we spring a leak, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to tinkle all over the boat. But if I see you, a seasoned fisherman, start going crazy, I'm going to start barfing. <laughs> I'm going to jump overboard. I'm like It's going to take it next level. And here are these seasoned fishermen sending out an SOS. This is some type of a storm. 
And they went and, and, and woke him, saying, Master, Master, double usage, meaning this is, this is urgent. The, master, we are perishing. The disciples are in the midst of a storm, and they, and they can only classify the storm. They can only see the situation with the storm in mind. They don't see beyond the storm. And so because their perspective is just the storm, are they really perishing? No, they're not actually perishing. But with a fixation on the storm, their perspective is death. Because no other human solution can rescue them right now. Nothing else. They can't bail enough water. And so to their credit, what do they do? They turn to the teacher. Even in weak faith, we can look at them and say, well done. You turn to the only person in the situation that could help you. Some of us are in a situation right now, a storm, a hardship, unreal circumstances, and we're still bailing water. And it's time to turn to the teacher. They're looking at the situation with all of their senses. They feel the wind. They see the waves. They hear it. They, all of their senses would tell them, this is hopeless. But they have forgotten about their spiritual senses. So despite what you feel, what is reality? And are you responding to God based on what you feel or what reality might be? A storm can look different in each of our lives. A storm will, will be wh whatever is coming our way that would cause us in the midst of it to doubt God. It might be a storm that's physical like, like a storm. Some of us have survived hurricane standing and saw all the storm that that did to our homes. But a storm could also be, I took a stand for my faith and now it's costing me this. Or, or it could be job complications. It could be relational problems. It could be financial problems. Whatever the storm might be, a storm is such where you feel helpless in the midst of it. And in the midst of it, you're doubting God. Some of us have financial burdens and they're so big, and we feel like we can't do anything. We're just, all we got are a bunch of pennies to throw at a $1,000 worth of bills. Jason, I'm, I'm looking at a helpless situation, and this is, this is all I've got. But then others of us, you, you would say, like, my life is ending. My life is over. This is, this is the worst-case scenario. And you'll, and you'll start painting a picture. This, 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 this. And each situation in and of itself is not that big of a deal if you were to step back. But when we fail to deal with one minor problem, then this minor problem, then this minor problem, when we keep failing to deal with the circumstances, all of a sudden we have a jar full of pennies. And everything has gone away. So where are you right now in the midst of the chaos of your life? Do you have pennies to throw at a big old problem? Or is it a bunch of little situations that, that are now you have a jar full of, of pennies? We can judge these, these disciples with events that are completely out of their control. But we do the same thing. We start running around in panic. But think about this perspective. We confess, many of us have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is everything. He, our, our issue is sin, our eternity, our eternity rests on one decision. What do we make of the name and the person of Jesus Christ? We trust that, so we trust him with the biggest issue that we have. And then we look at our situation and we say, no, he can't control this. What? 
We'll lift a holy hand here, but then we'll get a text message saying, well, this is falling apart. We'll, we'll lift a holy hand. We'll agree with what Jesus has done for salvation in our lives. But then all of a sudden, there's a death. There's an illness. There's all these things that will, that will cause us to go back and say, did God really do? Did God really say? And today, that is the enemy wanting. That's what he's been doing since the beginning. Causing whatever he can to throw at you with one purpose. What he said in the garden, he's still saying today. Did God really say? Yes. My God is the son of God and he is here for salvation. Nothing the world throws at me can hinder the Lord from stopping or saving. And here's where the storm goes now. Here's the, here's the calm after the storm. He woke. He awoke and he, he rebuked. He, he walks right past the disciples. He, he doesn't wake up and get a bale. He doesn't wake up and get a bucket and start throwing wood. He wakes up. He walks past the disciples. And he walks over to the side of the boat. And the wind and the raging waves, he rebuked them. And they ceased. And there was calm. And so he turns to them and he says, where is your faith? Rebuke is a word that would would mean that you're, you're uh, in authority and you're putting a subordinate back in their, in their place. So Jesus wakes up and looks to the winds and to the waves and says, get in your place. I wonder if that silence was deafening that afternoon or morning, whatever time of the day it was. I wonder where everything was raging. Now all of a sudden there is silence. What are the disciples Thinking. And as they're processing, my Jesus looks at them and based on their response, asks them a question. Where is your faith? Why did he have to ask that? Because of their response. They're panicking. Because of their response, he has to look at them and ask them this question. You believe that I am the Son of God. You believe that I am Messiah. You believe all of this. But you won't trust me with the storm. And so, yes, I look at you and I have one question to ask you. Where is your faith? Perspective. Landon, come up here for a second. You got that quarter? Okay. Okay, all right, good. All right, whatever your mom said is good. All right, stand right there. All right, hold that quarter up. We might have a, a penny-like situation. We're like a small situation like he's not texting me back. Like, and all of a sudden, the world has ended. And so we bring our quarter's worth of, hold this up for me. We bring our quarter, so they can see it right there. Good. We bring our quarter's worth of perspective to the situation. And this little situation now looks like a big deal when this is the only, the only perspective we can bring to the situation. So if this is our only perspective, well, I see the three little dots and they're moving. So I know he's typing something, that dirty little jerk. And so that's our perspective. And so, yes, it is the end of the world. Where's my tennis ball perspective? Bring me my tennis ball. Stand, stand right up here. You, you stay right there. And so we ask somebody else. We're in, a, we're in another situation. Hold it up for me just, just like this, okay? Uh, we, we have another, we have, we have that same situation. And we go to somebody, maybe we're in high school, and we go to somebody who is in college. We bring them our situation. They have a little bit bigger perspective. And we say, hey, penny for your thoughts. And they say, hey, don't worry. You want to be free. You're going to go to college, and you don't want him to text you back. You want to be free in college. Everything's going to work out. And we as Christians would be like, well, that may be not the perspective we want to be sharing. Maybe there's a different perspective, but it's nonetheless a perspective. So where's my basketball? Bring me, bring me, my, bring me my basketball. So maybe we ask somebody else, Penny, for your thoughts. Maybe he has a little bit better or bigger perspective. 
And so we bring our, our penny-like situation to somebody with a basketball-sized perspective. And it's a divorced mom who says, you, you want to hear about somebody not texting you back? My ex-husband was texting me for three months straight, and it was going great. But then I wondered where the alimony was, and now I'm left unread. He ain't texting back no more. Here I am three months later, and I can't even put pizza on the table. And you're worried that he's not texting back? A little bit of perspective. What about God's perspective? Bring, bring in, Jordan, bring in God's perspective. You're going to have to look back there. We can't, we can't get it past, uh, past the door, or I mean past the pole. That was fun to find out this morning. But God's perspective is such where, where God's taking that situation, the penny, and, and now we bring it to God's perspective, and, and God's, maybe God's perspective is I'm going to throw a little shade on you. Hey, hey, I know you met that dude at a bar, and I knew there was a one-night stand, and the only reason you have his number in the first place is because you did the dirty, dirty. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm saving you from not getting a text back. Or what if his, what if God's perspective on the situation is you're worried about so-and-so not texting you back? I've been trying to get your attention for three months, and you don't go to me first above anything else. Maybe the perspective is Jason or so-and-so, you're left unread so that you have no other option but you come to me. Maybe that's God's perspective. Maybe the perspective sometimes that we have is with death. That's one of the hardest things we all deal with in life sometimes, right? And we have this perspective. Some people will say nice words. We have this perspective. We have this perspective. People will say all sorts of things. But, and sometimes they're true. Sometimes they're not in the midst of death because we want to be comforting. What about God's perspective when that's the storm that we're facing? God blows up our spot with perspective in the book of Psalms. With this verse that says for the Christian, for the saint, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the coming home of his saints. And so when a Christian dies, our human instinct wants to mourn. But when a Christian dies, God looks at this and says, this is precious. My child has come home. Perspective. You guys can all have a seat. Uh, I'll get the balls after. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, please get rid of that. That's a fire hazard. Uh, <laughs> Simple perspective is, is God really going to have them die? Has Jesus accomplished his mission? Simple perspective would be looking at this and saying, hey, is a storm really going to thwart God's plan? Is, is, this, is this over? Is this all, it's all done because, because there's a storm. If the disciples took a step back, they would understand, no, this is not going to stop God's plans if he is truly God. But instead, they, they lose sight of that and they respond in panic. God looks at, Jesus looks at their panic and associates it with a lack of faith. Why? Because panic is not an emotion that my God has. How can God be a God of panic if he's truly God? What's God surprised by? What is God overwhelmed by? What is God shocked by? What is God sitting up there going, I wonder how we're going to work this one out. This one's a doozy. <laughs> my God don't know panic because my God is in complete control. And in our own human flesh, we go to a place of panic. But what does God want us to do? The wind is mindless. The wind don't have ears. 
the window can't make no decisions. But God spoke in the mindless, ill-equipped decision-making wind, listens. So what does God want us to do in the midst of the storms of life? He wants us to go to a place of obedience like that of the wind and the waves. Here's our big thought for the morning is that faith in Jesus is our calm. You're, I don't know your situation, and I don't have to know your situation to know that Jesus is our calm. He is God. We can run around panic and going crazy. That's what the world is doing, and the world is falling apart. We know that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. This whole thing that we see, everything will fall apart. But those that stay anchored to Jesus, spend eternity with him, while everything else is falling apart, we can choose to go cray-cray like the world. Or we can stay anchored to Jesus. The storms in our lives have purpose. They intend to teach us. Sometimes we brought on the storm. Sometimes it is discipline. But other times it's a storm. It's just a hardship that happens to all human beings. But why, why, whatever reason you're in the storm, the end result is the same. It is intended to teach you. And will you listen and respond to God accordingly? Here comes the lesson that they learned. Here comes the, the calming realization. They were what? Afraid. And they marveled. The fear that's used in Greek, they are more afraid after everything has calmed down than they were in the actual storm. Saying to one another, who is this? That even he commands even the winds and the water. And they obey. They begin to realize that I have supernatural power in my boat. They begin to realize his identity. He is the son of God. He changes everything. And they begin a process. Right, we can see this. They don't understand everything right here in this story. They don't, they don't fully have it under, underway, but it's a process of starting to learn about God's control. Because Peter, who is experiencing this, who goes into a process of learning everything we're talking about, will one day pen the words, cast your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares there was perspective that started that, that day that led Peter one day to write those words. It was terrifying for them to understand that the God who controls the storm was in their boat. And so they had a mixture of fear. They had a mixture of amazement and marveling. But the lesson was clear. If you trust me with everything, you can trust me in the most severe and life-threatening circumstances. I told you about that day, I'm human just like the next guy. I have a great ability uh, to make a mountain out of a molehill. And uh, too often I do that with David. Too often there's a little situation that, that I can make a mountain out of a molehill. And, and thankfully that date night ended well. Uh, we, we survived. Uh, but there are times, and I know of relationships too, that that, that date night could have ended with, well, let's just go home. <laughs> let's just not talk for a few days. Let's not deal with this. Let's not just get a little food in our belly and say, hey, everything's going to work out. That we can all of a sudden in a relationship, this, this one situation becomes the next situation, becomes the next situation, becomes the next situation. We start to lose perspective as in our relationships, we, we have a whole bunch of pennies that we're not dealing with. And, it, and all of a sudden we have this storm. Tiff after tiff after tiff becomes this storm. Well, I'm thankful that I have, I have a guy that I can call up and say, hey, Penny, Penny for your thoughts. I, I give Graham a call, and thankfully most 
the time he picks up and he simply allows, he knows this, I've told this, your job for me is just to let me barf on you and then just, just hear it and take it. And he's good with that. I say that somewhat kiddingly. But he takes it and I call him up and, and he listens to me kind of barf emotions and barf things on him. And then he says a variation of a few things like, Jason, stupid Graham, Jason, is that reality? Jason, what are your emotions? Like, he'll ask all these. I'm like, don't psychoanalyze me. But he asks these perspective type questions. Jason, I hear you say this, but what's reality? And it always helps me put things back in perspective that, yeah, there was hunger and gas. Everything's going to work out. God's got this. I still love my wife. She still loves me. I gave her a quesadilla, and we're all okay. <laughs> The storm requires a response. And their challenge might be our challenge as well, where God looked at them through the person of Jesus and says, where is your faith? He might be looking at us and saying, where is your faith? We value simplicity. Simplicity would say that, that sometimes in the midst of, uh, we need to remember big, big perspective, God's perspective on the situation, because big perspective guides simple approaches. Perhaps we don't see simple approaches in the midst of the chaos, because our, our perspective is really narrow. <laughs> maybe, we need to, maybe we need to open up our perspective to find a simple approach. If our, if our perspective is narrow, it's only going to feel more chaotic responses. We need to open up, open up our view and, and handle it that way with a much bigger perspective. And so where there is a lack of faith, is your response communicating just that? You're lacking faith in the midst of the hardship. So we might have to ask that same question of ourselves. Are we lacking where is our faith? I had the privilege of uh, walking with Josh and Krista through, uh, through the hardships of their house. We've mentioned that before. And uh, this isn't a new thing, but when they, when they got back from Christmas vacation, I think it was actually two years ago at this point, uh, they came back to a flooded house. They had to gut their house. They had to redo their whole house. Uh, and it was, uh, it was awful. Uh, and they had a new a newborn child, and then uh, soon they would find out that they, were, that they were pregnant with their second child. And so the world fell, on, like, fell apart. And, uh, and then... And then all of a sudden, everything worked out. They were able to re-gut their house, insurance and whatnot, and, uh, and they were able to sell their house, and they were able to get a new house, a bigger house, and now it you know, fits their family uh, very, very well. But what, what caught me about this is, is that afterwards, uh, I'm here now two weeks ago in my life group, and I hear Shannon, who's Krista's sister. I hear Shannon talking about housing problems. She's talking to somebody else in our life group, and, and I, and I kind of just started eavesdropping because she mentioned Josh and Krista, and, I was, and she was like, you know what? They had the hardest situation that, we, that I could imagine a family and a, and, a pregnant, and a pregnant mom going through. But now, now a year later, some perspective, God used that hard, hard circumstance to guide them to a house that now better suits their family, that can, that can, that can home, house one of our life groups. Now, now she's looking back, and now she's learned from that situation through them, and now she has faith in her God because of their story, and it's built her faith. And she's using their story to build another's faith in God. We're going to sing a song. And the first lines say this, Here in your light we find what makes us come alive, a sacrifice of praise. You, didn't, you walked in here, and you don't feel like praising God. So maybe your praise this morning will be a sacrifice saying, God, I don't get it, but I choose it. And then the next line will say, a city on a hill, surrender to your will. 
And the part that gripped me, the, part, uh, the reason I asked the band to close with this song is this line, your glory on display, your glory on display. What you're going through right now, will you allow it to teach you? Will you allow it to teach others? And is it about your glory? Or is it about the glory of our God? How in the midst of your storm right now can you bring glory to our Savior? Let's sing. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.